0: Welcome to Pro Audio Profiles. My name is Brendan Decora, and each week I'll be hosting different guests mainly engineers and producers, but also people from across the industry. Enjoy the show. On this week's show, we have Rafa Sardina. He's won 18 Grammys and has credits with Stevie Wonder, John Legend, Alejandro Sanz, and many more. Enjoy. First and foremost, thank you so much for being here. I oh, really appreciate you. it. Thank you. <laughs> it's awesome. It's great to have you on on here. Um, I'd like to start by just going over your backstory. You know, tell me how you got to where you are, you know that kind of thing.
1: well, i my story, I think, is pretty standard in many ways. I started as a musician, okay, trying to make it as a musician. Right. I thought I was going to be an artist when I was only like, Seven or eight years old that that was my dream to become an artist. I I actually even told my mom I was gonna be an artist I was gonna but my passion was guitar. So when I thought an artist, I I wasn't thinking like an artist like You know like singing like a pop artist or anything like that. I was just thinking an instrumentalist, right? right? So you that want to be was my Like thing. Santana or something. Yes. I yeah. know, something. <laughs> nice. I play a little bit of classical because, you know, that's how you start, okay. you know, take your first steps. But uh, I really like rock music. So I was in bands you mm-hmm. know, over the years, you know. And when I was only like 15, 16, I had my first studio experience mm-hmm. just out of coincidence. Uh, my cousin was in a band he played with. I was always hanging with them, and, and they recorded a full, a full album. Okay. So I was on those sessions. I still have pictures of those sessions, you know. And (laughs) I was super young, and that was the first time I was confronted with the the studio experience. Right. How different it was from the fact of you know going to the rehearsal room and just rehearsing and working the songs. And I thought like wow so now what <laughs> and the whole band thought that way because and right. i think nobody in the band really had much experience okay so it was an almost an equal a uh, process for all of us right and and i do remember that many years later actually as you know, as recent as five years ago, the engineer mm-hmm. who engineered that session, who I know, who was oh, yeah. in a very famous band, by the way, huh. called Nego very, very okay.
2: international,
1: internationally famous band later on, mm-hmm. um, he he actually told me that that was his first session really? on his own really? <laughs> by himself. I like, wow. And he was like freaking out. <laughs> so,
0: so I guess awesome. that everybody had yeah. the same
1: type of experience.
2: <laughs> nice. And
1: after that, you know, I started doing live sound. Okay. I found like this promoter who was my first big mentor in mm. my career. Okay. Who I'm actually going to go see in a couple of months when I go back to Spain. Nice. He was a big promoter of... Even with international artists, he will bring big acts, like even,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I don't know, uh, really big acts uh, uh, to to Spain, northern Spain. But he also managed the whole jazz and folk music and world music scene in France and Spain. Mm -hmm. So I work with a lot of international, you know, even African artists, you know, uh, Yusuanodur and mm-hmm. you name it. I mean so many of them and and also a lot of blues, jazz, artists mm. and, and
0: all live sound, right?
1: All live sound. Yeah. Okay. It was all live sound and live production. Right. Because I wasn't just doing front of house or anything like that. I started doing a stage, working okay. as a stage manager. Right. I even did lights. Wow. <laughs> on Some occasions. <laughs> I mean I, I did it all. Yeah. Even nice. tour manager I became for some of the nice. artists and Production manager and Mm -hmm. then I then I did more and more of monitor, you know, being a monitor engineer and then front house
0: and what size shows was it big shows? It was
1: small to really really big. I'm talking like um, Yeah, some of them were like Later on he was actually bringing to Spain artists like the Rolling Stones. So you imagine I was produced I was I was used to being around those type of big setups as Obviously, as assistance to the existing production, because usually you don't do much but assist or of course or you know uh, consulting for them uh, Mm -hmm. for the venue. But yeah, that was that was my the very beginning, and from then on, I was very lucky to get my first major studio opportunity Mm -hmm. with an artist. I did the live sound for who own a studio. Oh wow! For a very famous Spanish band called Mocedades. Right. And they were like huge in the 60s, 70s, 80s, like mm-hmm. really, really huge. Probably one of the top okay. bands, a, a vocal band. Like you, you could imagine like sort of like the Take Six of, okay. of Spain. And right. And I started working sporadically in his studio and learning more mm-hmm. and more about studio.
0: And so how did you... Take your live sound experience and implement in the studio. Obviously, I think studio is very different from live. Oh, sound. I'm so
1: grateful for that yeah. that I had that experience because yeah. on live sound you only have one freaking chance. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's why it, I don't like it. You to make it you right, you can't, can't hit rewind. But,
1: but it's super <laughs> exciting, though. Yeah, it's super super exciting. Once you you have done it, um, and also it has closer... For example, you work on an album, and you know that very well. Yeah. You work on an album, and number one, it could never be... Maybe it does never get released. Right. It has happened to all of us. Yeah. I have worked on dozens and dozens of projects that never saw the light. Right. Exactly. All day, and never got released. And on the other hand... You work on something, and it might take forever for it to get released. <laughs> yeah. So by the time you get released, later, and yeah. people even make comments about it, you actually already forgot about the freaking project. <laughs> right, right. like, what? That was like three <laughs> years ago. That was exactly. like, I don't know, even 16 months ago, Like yeah. you are not connected to the project yeah. anymore the way people think
2: Absolutely. you are. Yeah. You
1: have a remembrance of it, right. of some of the moments, mm-hmm. but you are not truly, there's not an immediacy in the right. connection. With live sound, it's a... Like,
0: you yeah. go and it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What you, about the technical side? I mean, obviously, there's some differences between studio and live. No, style. there
1: are differences, but I, I would recommend for, I would recommend to. I rec- I would recommend to do it to every studio engineer. Yeah. To at least go through the experience because it really right. is. I don't know. It come. You become so resourceful. When you work on live sound. That's true. Because it needs to happen no matter what. Yeah. Even if you get electrocuted, (laughs) hopefully you don't. But I've seen people get actually shocked. (laughs) Because you are right right there, I mean, the show needs to go and go on and something is not working and you have to just improvise. It's 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 a state of constant improvisation. Yes. Which to me it's also an important element for studio work. Yeah, because you know things—not not not just things—it's not just that things can go bad, but it's also that maybe somebody throws a curveball to -hmm. you. Yeah. The artist or one of the musicians, no, why don't we do it this other way? Oh, God, what if we move the drums over there? Or right. what if we try to get this kind of sound, this vintage kind of sound exactly. like this album? You go, like, oh, shit, you know, all the microphones are wrong. You know, yeah. it's the, <laughs> those are not the right microphones right. to get that sound. How do we do it? So,
0: yeah.
1: I, I guess that it gives you an
0: extra skill right. for improvisation. Of course, of course. And then how did you end up in LA? What, what was your journey? The thing is that I was here,
1: around here in San Diego when I was very young, almost 17, because my parents moved uh, to Mexico and the U.S. They were bouncing in between, you know, because Mm -hmm. of work. I didn't stay. I was going to stay. That was the plan, but I I never stayed. I, I had other, I don't know, I thought that if I went back to Spain where I had more of my I don't know. My background was there. Mm-hmm. The people I knew, my, my, yeah. you know, the bands I worked with in the past. Plus, uh, back then, obviously, I was pressured into having some kind of career.
2: Yeah.
1: And we know this.
2: Mm-hmm. Back
1: then, we're talking late eighties. Yeah. <laughs> early nineties, uh, late eighties, actually, when I made this decision, mm-hmm. this wasn't considered a career.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Isn't is it is true? Like
1: people would think like, "Oh, that hobby of yours." <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: right, exactly.
1: <laughs> but so, I basically, when I left Spain, I had actually done the sort of like the bar exam to see what kind of college I, I would,
2: mm-hmm. I could
1: actually get in, and okay. what kind of career. So it was a very complex kind of exam, you know, like. Mm-hmm. All all of the young guys from the country do this exam, so there's a rating system. Right. Uh, so if you wanted to, for example, to become an engineer of whatever kind, you know, mm-hmm. a, a mechanical engineer,
2: yeah.
1: I wanted to apply in a university, you apply to three universities huh. in the country, right? And depending on your rating you'll either get in or not uh, in any of them or none of them right. because somebody else was above right. your
0: score. Uh, okay. So uh-huh. I was very
1: lucky because when I took the the exam, I didn't take it seriously, I have to say, <laughs> because I was living the country already. My I parents see. were moving here. I, I was see. like, fuck the shit. <laughs> right. like, what does it matter, right? right? And a year later, it did matter because... I, wanted to go, I decided to go back, and I need to apply for something. I really like uh, science in general. I really yeah. love science. I love okay. music, but I also love science. Mm-hmm. And I went to medical school. Okay. Wow. And I, I, almost, I almost did four years of medical school wow. while I was also engineering at the same time. Right. So all of this live sound experience that I was telling mm-hmm. you about, I did a lot of this while I was in,
2: in school. medical school. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Till it
1: became unbearable. Right. And impossible to, right? To do at the same yeah. time.
0: Nice, huh? Crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It was crazy. Now thinking about it, I even sometimes I even think I even think about it. How did they do
0: it? Right, right. How did
1: they manage to right. to actually, you know, keep both <laughs> interests, you know, in the forefront? And,
0: right. Yeah. So then you moved to LA. When when did you come? I here? moved to
1: LA because on the fourth year. Damn. I went like, fuck this shit. <laughs>
0: this is what I really
1: want to do. I mean, I knew from the beginning, but yeah. obviously I was trying, I was f to have a career. But at the same time, I was thinking mm-hmm. the more I elongate this, the more I wait, right. the harder it is going to be for, do you know my what my main fear was? Mm. That I was going to be a good doctor. Right. And I was doing great mm-hmm. in, med- in school. Mm. So that was my fear. And I actually told the girlfriend, my girlfriend back then, I told her, shit. I might actually become good at this. Shit. <laughs> and then my dreams are gonna,
0: right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how, how i gonna, you know, justify not doing this or doing right. this or getting away from this. So I quit <laughs> overnight and okay. it was an overnight decision. Wow. And one day I remember why, where I was, I was actually by the sea mm-hmm. and in the middle of the week, like a Wednesday or something right. like that, I had to go back to college the following day, like mm-hmm. every day. And I w- and I was already even working in the hospital, you know, doing as an wow. intern. And I was like, I'm not going back. <laughs> and that was the last day I ever... Damn. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> that was the moment I ever went back right. to college. <laughs> nice. Went back to the hospital. Or...
0: Cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you moved to LA after that? Or what, is, I look how, for, what led you I, here?
1: I look for places where I could actually... I look for places where I could Test my abilities. Because up to that point, I was self-taught. Right. And I had been learning from great engineers. Mm -hmm. There was actually a French guy I learned a lot from. Mm -hmm. Um, and Because I toured a lot with him. Right. And he was the chief engineer in one of the most famous studios in northern Spain. And in France, too. And Jean Focas. Mm -hmm. And Jean, I was actually always watching him and I even... Saw him a, lo- a couple of times in the studio and all that. And I thought, like, well, I know what I know, but what do I really know? Right. Right? Yeah. I was very resourceful doing live sound, but like, mm-hmm. what do I really know? And I was already doing studio sessions, but, yeah, yeah in a small studio, mm-hmm. uh, what did I know? Yeah. So I looked for schools. And okay. I found the first school I could actually afford, mm-hmm. which was uh, a small school in Ohio. Okay. The recording workshop. Right. And I went there, huh. and it was like a super short program. That's right. what I could afford at the time, right. four-week wow, or six-week program, yeah. something very, very short. Huh. And I did that, and I was like, like no, this is it. Yeah. I mean, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. I remember going back with my cassettes, with mm. my mixes, and what I had been working <laughs> on, and I was thinking like, shit, this is it.
2: I mean, yeah. there's
1: no way back, but... Right. Obviously, that was a very short course. And yeah. when I attended that, I realized, wow, there is so much I need to learn about.
2: Yeah.
1: So I kept working in Spain for a little while. Actually, it coincided with summertime and I went on tour. Okay. I worked my ass off. I mean, I, mm. I didn't sleep for maybe four months, <laughs> uh, literally. Right. And when people say, like, oh, you didn't sleep, no. <laughs> <laughs> try to sleep like two hours a day for right. you know <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's crazy for
1: four months. And that was and I was saving and I was trying to see how I, I could get into a more you know, a higher level kind of school, not mm. trying to get to a college degree yeah. or anything like that. I was yeah. very pragmatic about it. And and I saved not to go to full cell. Okay. And this is in nineteen ninety, I think. Wow.
0: I didn't know they were around that long. Oh, no,
1: they were, but they huh. were super small. Oh, okay. Super, super small. Hmm. I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> they had like a very small yeah, campus. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't even have, they have one of their own studios, but the rest of the studios, you had to go to other studios in oh, Orlando okay. to take your, right, do your right. practice, you know, <laughs> practical classes. And that's where I went and I finished and, nice. and that's when I came to LA.
0: Okay. Okay. And then you, did you get a job as an assistant at a studio? I get, or what did got you? a
1: job as a runner. Right, Which is what right. most people should, yes. re- should learn, that that's what you are
2: going to get. Yes. Okay?
1: And for good reason. I mean, at yeah. the beginning, you ne- no matter how much you think you know. You know, when I came out of Full sale, I was valedictorian. I was the first in my class. I mean, mm-hmm. I worked my ass off because, yeah. number one, it was costing me much more than people right. imagined, you know. Right. I remember people going out to dinner and things like that. I, I mm-hmm. never went out to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't afford to any to do any of those things. Exactly. It sounded like it sounded like science fiction to me that yeah. people could be students and still afford to go out to dinner things like
2: that. Right, right. And
1: I remember when I finished I said like, well, my parents were still living here. Mm-hmm. They were here for about twenty five years. They were in San Diego. And I said like, well, where I need to go is really LA. That's where mm-hmm. I need to go. I came to LA. They actually offered me an internship. Funny enough, I okay. told the artists that they offered me the internship with, I told him like three years ago or two years ago okay. during the NAMSO, right. during the Tech Awards. It was with Herbie Hancock.
2: Nice. They
1: offered me an internship with him, but it was a private studio.
2: Right.
1: And I realized, you know, that's not really what I want. Yeah. These are, The kind of places I want are the ones that, where I'm going to be exposed to tons of different experiences, of different artists and all that. So I seeked um, internships in three places, mm-hmm. Ocean Wave Recording, Mm -hmm. Which is where I got. Yeah. Nice. And then record plant and was like, it was like audio at the time. Yeah. Cool.
0: Awesome. And you were, how long were you at Oceanway?
1: I was at Oceanway on and off, you know, during years because then I went back to Spain for a period of a year during 94. Okay. Um, I knew the earthquake was coming. So (laughs) I. I, I left like two months before. Really? <laughs> the, or a month before the
0: earthquake. The and heck? then came back like <laughs> That's awesome. Six months after. Right.
1: <laughs> I don't know. But I was I was in Europe for a little bit doing actually working some very, okay. very cool projects. But then I came back and then I, I got, you know, to work some again at the Austin Way for a mm. little bit and then I right. I became independent.
0: And that was when uh Ocean Way was both buildings still, It was both buildings. It was uh, was 6,000 and 6050
1: Sunset Boulevard and Record One Studios. Oh, that's right. In the valley. Record One, yes. Record One. That's right. So you will rotate between the three different locations all the time. Nice.
0: Okay. Cool. Um, So first off, what do you... uh, Like all of us do everything. We engineer, we mix, we produce. Is there anything you do more of that you think or...
1: Here's the thing these days, I'm producing more than, but okay, not in reality. No, let me take that back. Mm-hmm. I'm engineering more than, more than I'm producing only because I'm engineering the projects that I produce, right? Of but course. I produce a lot, and I think that right. that's where my career has taken me. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy just mixing, yeah. I mean, just mixing to me is one of the most creative. Absolutely. And fulfilling experiences. Yeah. You know, taking Absolutely. somebody else's job, uh, work mm-hmm. and in a way making it your own, also, mm-hmm. you know, uh, making Absolutely. your own contribution to it and uh, your proposal and fucking up the project and <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> right. See what they say. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and hopefully you have a, you know, you score most of the time. Yes. So, <laughs> yes.
0: so they, exactly. they, they want you. Yes. <laughs> and exactly. that's how you build a, exactly. yeah, a mixed nice. engineering career. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, um one of the things I like to talk about on the podcast a lot is how to uh get great performances out of artists um can you can, can you walk walk us through your process for working with an artist to get a great I performance? I
1: think that you have to learn to read people yeah. number one that's the first thing. The moment they step in the room you have to you have to identify how they're feeling right. That's the first step and I am actually very grateful to my medical years because that's what we did 24-7. Interesting. reading people.
2: Right.
1: Because, uh, number one, most diseases are psychosomatic.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, are auto-generated by your own state of mind, Mm. your predisposition to, yeah, to getting sick, to failure, to... Right. And... And we sabotage ourselves in terms of our, our health all the time. Mm-hmm. And and as a doctor uh, in the psychology, we took a lot of psychology classes. Right. Those kind of
2: right.
1: uh, That kind of training, even even without being related to psychiatry, right. just by the sake of you know being a good reader and mm-hmm. being able to interact
2: right. with your
1: patients. So I I treat it the same way. Right. In a way. Yeah. You know there are patients yeah. in that. Very moment they become our patients, Mm -hmm. and we are there to number one, really learn what they're all about, how they feel, right? And reading between lines, they
2: -hmm. might be telling you, "Oh, they're
1: feeling so great," and automatically you know, "Oh, they're like so fucking scared," you know, "They're feeling (laughs) like shit." Like this, (laughs) this is not going to happen. And (laughs) but you learn to read the expressions, you know, their demeanor, how -hmm. they treat other people. Right. Especially not even you but other people, read how they they work out the room themselves. Right. You know? So I think it's a lot of it has to do with that. Because mm. that moment when you have that information, if you have the skills, you can create an environment that's gonna be conducive to right. them, easy enough or mm. or if needed, to even be a little bit nervous about it. Right. Sometimes it's just the opposite. Yeah. You have to create a tension in the room in order for things to really happen so
0: it's mm. yeah that's interesting nice i just want to take a quick break and tell you about my free guide for creating massive snare sounds in it i go over all my techniques from drum choices tuning microphone placements even mixing techniques check it out now at brandondecoracom huge snare and now back to the show how do you uh what what part does the environment play? The 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 lighting in the room, the temperature, like uh, to all me that super stuff. important. Yeah.
1: Uh, and I know it's super important because I see how people change when, you know, things are mm-hmm. right. And because I'm very sensitive to that myself. Right. When I go into a room, the first thing I pay attention to is the lighting actually. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing, right? The lighting. I mean, it has to be a cozy environment, or or maybe the opposite if you are trying to provoke something else, right? Right. But you have to mani- be able to manipulate,
2: right.
1: uh, Yeah, the right. mood of the in the room, and in order to do it, every time I go to a studio, one of the first things I always ask. Is do you have like table table lamps or right. standing lamps? Things that so we can even turn off some of the lights, mm-hmm. you know, in the room and just yeah. use those. Exactly. Like you will do in your living room, right? Yeah. And create that kind of uh, intimate,
2: mm-hmm. that kind
1: of intimacy. And right. and it works. It really does.
0: Yeah. 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 And um how do you handle like when you're mixing, uh how do you handle the the varying quality of tracks that you receive?
1: Uh, I handle it by being super optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a a cheerleader. I'm an optimistic person because sometimes we get crap. Yeah, that's the reality. I mean, we do. Mm. And especially now that everybody is an engineer.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Or everybody takes that role. Everybody.
2: Yeah.
1: Even I I don't know. Even the artist's son or something. Right. Even right. Even if the son is like four years old I right. don't know
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> of, course. But, of course but
1: everybody does so you get all kinds of yeah tracks you know especially not just the quality of the you know of close micing it usually has to do with mm. more with the ambiences yeah. how ambiences leak into the microphones
2: mm.
1: I swear to you sometimes I think that the microphone is pointed to the others in the wrong yeah. direction
0: absolutely because
1: sometimes you get like no way that vocal was tracked <laughs>
0: Right, right. Pro-
1: they were probably singing to it, you know, like this yep. way. Right? <laughs> yeah. Are <laughs> like, you like, No way that's a, that's I've, an S M
0: actu- seven. I've actually had that before where I've I've told the client to take a picture of the setup. Me it's too. Like, Yo, turn the mic around. Me too. Me too. <laughs> <You know? That's laughs> no, awesome. I'm
1: pointing where it has the you know the controls. Yeah. Where like, no. <laughs> no. You saw it is
0: the logo. Exactly. <laughs> I try to
1: talk to the right, to the logo. Right.
0: <laughs> exactly. <Awesome. Yeah. laughs> and do you do um, when you're mixing? Do you do like projects where you're only mixing and the clients are remote, or is it all
2: producing yeah, I, stuff?
1: I, I do a lot of those too. Yeah. Okay. I do. I mean, that's. That's the thing. We do so much remote work. I was just doing one today. Yeah. And two yesterday, you know, Mm. uh, for final approvals of mixes, usually. Right. Once they have, they got the first mix or the second one and, you know, it's super clear, the fine tuning that they Mm. need or they want to explore. Very often, they don't even want to change. They don't end up changing much or anything. Right. But they want to be allowed to have the opportunity for their own peace of mind yeah, of exploring. What if we use the other rooms on the drums? Do you try mm-hmm. and you tell them, you know, this is the best outcome, but mm-hmm. they need to, they need to also experiment and right. try, and then you do it for them. And go, oh no, you're right, go back. Right. So it's a process. Yeah. It's it's a human process. Of course. So I really understand the need for it because I'm the same way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And everyone wants to have their input too. It's like I yeah. knew a, a friend of mine you know their mom when they were little their mom would tell them to clean their room and they would clean it perfectly and then <laughs> purposely leave one sock in the middle of the floor just so the mom could have something to say <laughs> because if it was perfect then she would go and find something yeah, else something that was else. wrong yeah just had yeah, to yeah, say that something was easier, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> um and how do you approach uh, working with different genres in your mixes? Do you adjust your techniques accordingly? I, I do or? adjust
1: my techniques, yeah. and I love it. Like, for example, yesterday I was doing something classical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a concerto, like the Schubert pieces. I recorded this in New York. Right. And today I'm doing like a hip-hop, hip-hop artist from, okay. uh, from Chile, Anatiju, right. And I finished that mix, and... And tomorrow, actually, I do have to work tomorrow, even though it's a Sunday. But yeah. tomorrow, I'm doing like a live show, a live show, do you know, 25 songs uh, from right. a live show. Uh-huh. And we're doing fine tuning of uh, the transitions in between songs and all that. Right. So, and then next thing is a pop thing. And so I'm, I'm all over the place. Right. But, of course. But I love it. I think that to me, that's it brings life into my world, it, mm. it brings excitement and lack of. I don't you know, lack of lack of security in the sense of
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm yeah. always, you know, on, you know, <laughs> that fine line, am I going to be great or am I going to suck? Yeah, you know, exactly. And I love it. I love the challenge. I've done everything from, op- you know, I've done yeah. everything from opera to hip hop to mm-hmm. music for movies to anything in between right. and alternative music, you know, all kinds of indie music to mm. whatever. It might be. I need to like the music, obviously. I need to like the project. But I like right. music. That's the thing. Yeah. If there is a great song, I like it.
0: Right. And when you're producing an artist, how do you um, how do you help them find their unique sound or their sonic signature in a way? Work with pre-production, that yeah. kind of stuff.
1: I think that one of the first... <laughs> Here's one part of the process that to me is very, very important. When you are pre-producing pre-producing a project Mm -hmm. and they come to you what they're really looking out of you what they're really looking for is your intuition about this right because they already work out their intuition to a point Mm -hmm. and they exhausted it yeah and they need not just a second opinion they need a second intuition
2: right for the project
1: right (laughs) right and what happens during that process, too, is that you learn that at that stage, usually the artist is looking for reference points. Yeah. They're, they're comparing themselves to everything else in the fucking world. Yeah.
2: They're
1: comparing themselves to A, B, C, Z, mm-hmm. and you don't get uniqueness and greatness from comparison, right. comparing yourself to right. anything. So you need to start ditching that process and mm. stopping that process, or yeah. you have to you have to help them stop that process and have an opinion based on something else, yeah based on themselves, you know what do you truly like what do, are mm-hmm. you really about? What's your right. fucking essence?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, we did this way because everybody said, "How will you do it?" <laughs> <laughs> that's usually the case people tell right. because everybody else in the band told me or even the manager told me yeah. or the A&R <laughs> told me how will you do it and then you find out maybe you find something truly amazing from right. them that's truly unique Yeah. so I think that's a role really during the pre-production process mm. and then obviously you can further exploit that kind of attitude during right. the recording process and that's your is your actually your your duty to do so, but yeah, it starts with pre-production, definitely.
0: Nice, nice. And can you talk about a particularly memorable collaboration you had with an artist, and how do you, how you both inspired each other?
1: Oh, I have had so many over the years. Yeah, I mean, really had so had so many, and even some that were so experimental. Do you know where mm. you go, like what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> but. I don't know. I, I feel so fortunate because I had so many of those over the years. But very recently, you know, I was producing a band from New York, Florida, Tolo and I remember I had John Legend here mm-hmm. and and it was the first time he was really performing in Spanish and singing in Spanish. Oh wow. And it was an amazing process mm-hmm. to to coach him, but he didn't really need that much coaching, yeah. even in terms of mimicking, you know, the words and right. and he put the effort I mean, he knew what they meant. It right. wasn't like he was just just mimicking, no.
2: Yeah.
1: It was more, much more than that. Nice. It was... Or, for example, recently I'm co-producing a, a new Linda Ronstadt thing with mm-hmm. John Boylan, and and I went to record an artist, I, I cannot mention who he was, yeah. but an artist, I produced that vocal track where he was singing mm-hmm. to this, this Linda track, and And we just chose this artist because we thought he would be perfect for this collaboration, this duet. And in the moment, and this was all recorded on video because we're also recording the making of Mm -hmm. the project, right? And he was like, Do you, he actually mentioned it to camera. Do you know the song that you chose for me is the first song that I sang professionally (laughs) in a show, in a sort of like Broadway type of production thing? And we had no idea, and that was like his debut song. And right. we like, I was freaking. Out. I was like, "What? That's
0: crazy!" And, and
1: it was so memorable. You right, know, to, right.
0: That's cool. That's to be cool. part of that. And how do you how do you stay up to date with new music trends when you're producing and keep fresh I, ideas? I'm always
1: listening to new music, but I'm yeah. al- always surrounded by young guys too.
0: Okay. Young guys like my right.
1: assistants. You know. So mm. new up and coming, you know, producers, engineers that I work with, and right. yeah, I like to I like to hear what they like mm. and why they like it yeah. to understand why they like it because yeah. the first the first yeah the first wall is the understanding of why right why do they like this and they might like it for other reasons than you will think
2: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe it's a social thing. Maybe it's a mix of elements right. that they really think make makes it super special.
0: Yeah, um, interesting. So yeah, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um, similar to the other question, but kind of opposite. Can you give an example of, of a particularly challenging artist you have worked with and how you motivated them to deliver a great performance?
1: Well, I think the most challenging. Thing of working with an artist is to work with an artist that doesn't want to collaborate
2: okay yeah
1: to me it's an artist that it's a hundred percent certain that what he got he got or she's got is it right and no matter what you do it's not gonna move the needle
2: yeah
1: they are gonna want to go back to the freaking demo and then you go like release the freaking demo <laughs>
0: right
1: and <laughs> I've done it I mean I've yeah. done I, yeah I've yeah. I actually, even the very few times where I didn't succeed at working with an artist, mm-hmm. it happened like that. And hmm. it has been very few times, but yeah, the yeah. artist didn't want to change a thing. Right? They were actually comparing <laughs> to the freaking, you know,
0: right. <laughs>
1: 16th of an inch, do you know, right, like right. how it sounded different from what they got. And right. then you will ask, so why do you want to change it? Right. No, I don't, but... Like, why we, are, need it, why we, <laughs> we need to mix it. Why yeah. are
0: we here? We need to mix it. I'm like, no,
1: wait a minute.
0: <laughs> That's not how it works. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're
1: wasting our time.
0: We're yeah. wasting money. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what are some techniques that you've developed over the years that you feel are unique to your mixing style?
1: Well, I think the fact that I try to never, I try to never listen to the rough mix really from the get-go wow. i take a chance i always wow. do i always do huh. and actually it's a technique that i've developed over the years i have my assistants listen to the rough mix right not me okay they listen to the rough mix and compare to the existing tracks only for mm. the only reason that i want to make sure that i'm not missing anything
0: in the song right missing parts or something missing parts yeah, yeah.
1: or having the wrong tracks you know the wrong performance for something right. and if there is something that's different from the rough mix, mm-hmm. uh, then we get to ask, okay, why is this different? Oh, we retract the drums, and we change this. Right. Oh, okay, we change the horn, mm-hmm. the brass section, because we got a new arrangement. Oh, okay, it makes sense. Right. Then everything is fine. But I don't get to listen to it and get, hmm. you
2: get in pre- a way contaminated by, yeah.
1: by their current vision of the track. And then mm-hmm. I do my thing, I open all of the tracks, listen to it. I go, oh, this could go like this, and I make my own. And then when I am feel I'm pretty confident, I put quite some work on it, I mean, quite mm. a lot of work. Right. I, close to my own final, I listen to the rough. Okay. And then I go, oh, shit,
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or
1: not, or I go, right. oh, okay,
0: right. awesome, right. you know?
1: Maybe huh. I'm missing something, yeah. because my intuition didn't go in the same direction, Right. But I'll rather try my own thing and waste some time mm-hmm. rather than just try to copy. Same th- thing I was mentioning about pre-production with an artist, mm-hmm. trying to always use points of reference. Right. I try to avoid the point of reference.
2: Okay.
0: Right, right. And we
1: all have points of references. I mean I even put I even have references mixes, yeah. reference mixes I listen to, I compare to, mm-hmm. but not to the rough mix of the same
2: Right. Song, right.
1: but other stuff that right. inspires me huh. for some reason, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. the low end or maybe the how mm-hmm. it kicks or of course. Whatever, how the vocals sit in the mix, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But then again, I try not to copy cat. Right. The,
2: right. Yeah.
0: I find it mix. varies with me. Like, you know, I do a lot of mixing now too. And, you know, sometimes you get a rough mix and it's it's not good. And the, and the client doesn't like it either. Sometimes like, it kicks ass. Sometimes it's awesome, though. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, okay, I, mean, I really have you go to like, yeah. copy this a <laughs> lot, you know, because I spent time. But, you know, you really have to just judge, you yeah. know, per project. And,
1: and sometimes when you, you listen to the rough mix after you you have done your thing, mm-hmm. uh, maybe there might be like one element that you really love about right. the love mix it could right. be an air. it could be anything it could be how those backgrounds you know sit with the main vocal Or it mm-hmm. could be how they are pan and move or something and then you're yeah. like okay that i should actually bring into my mix
2: right right
1: but yeah but i try to start from a different huh.
2: different point yeah
0: nice um and how do you help artists to stay focused and motivated through a long recording session
1: well, it is their project. Yeah. I always remind them it is their project.
2: <laughs>
1: Number one, right. let's be real. Right. Uh, sometimes we we forget that, yeah. right? We think like, oh, we have to push, 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 <laughs> and and sometimes what we have to do is remind the artists that they have to push, push, push. Yeah, it is their project. It's not my picture. My photo that's gonna go in the album cover. Right. Is theirs. Yes. And I tell them that, you know, jokingly I tell them, you know, if you want my picture in the album cover, it's fine. But I think that you
0: should right. <laughs> work right. harder, you know. Right. And similar question, but how do you how do you help an artist feel comfortable and confident in the studio?
1: But enforcing the the good things about yeah. them, not reminding them about the bad things. Right because because usually they are aware already are aware of the bad things they usually <laughs> right. are I mean right. even in the back of their mind, even if it's not like in front of them, in the back of their mind, they know mm-hmm. you know, oh, this is not good enough, or or even in terms of the arrangement or you know this guitar part is not what it should be, or they are like so reminding them of the good things and trying to push forward to good things, and then you throw a curveball right to them. What if, you know, this part is like, without being offensive about it, without telling him, you know, the bridge sucks. Yes. You don't say that. (laughs) Yes. But you go like, let's work something out. Now that we have this idea for the end of the chorus, for the tag, what (laughs) if we try to (laughs) go to the harmony, go to this, Uh like, and then you work something out and hopefully something better will come out. Yeah, yeah. But being with positive
2: reinforcement. Of course. You know.
1: And sometimes you have to apply some negative reinforcement when mm-hmm. things are going south. They really are going south. But that's the last resort.
0: For right. Me. Yeah. Right. I l- always like to ask my guests if, if you can talk about any current or recent projects you've been working on.
1: Well, I'm working so many things lately. I mean, Anati the you know, the... Uh, urban artist i was i was mentioning mm-hmm. you know uh, it's really, very exciting i'm gonna be doing some orchestral projects in abbey road okay. like in nice. august uh, with the royal royal philharmonic that are going to be great nice. i'm sure they're going to be great and uh, there are so many projects i'm working on it's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't even right. remember but yeah it's a lot of it uh, you know uh, uh, pretty soon I'm gonna be mixing the Harlem quartet, which nice. I really love, the Harlem String Quartet.
2: Mm-hmm. A
1: new project with seven songs, which is truly amazing. Nice. Truly, truly amazing. I don't know. I, I like I like to work on projects that bring excitement to my life. Right. Not just to their to theirs, but sometimes mm-hmm. I do it very selflessly mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. I don't do it for them only. Really. Right. <laughs> I do it for myself, do you yeah. know. I want that. Right. I want to do that, and and you have to be selfish. You know, people talk a lot about ego. You must not have an ego.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think, I, I think that's a bunch of crap. <laughs> I think that you need to have a big ego. Yeah. Doing this somehow, but good ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need to have that ego, and right. the artist needs to have an ego,
0: well, because if you're everybody's do- got to have an ego, yeah, and if you're doing a project you're excited about, then you do a better job, the project does better, yeah. everything's better and, and
1: you have to when you're certain you have to be two hundred percent certain, do you know that
2: mm-hmm.
1: that you are leading that that's what needs to happen, right you cannot just be. And assertive all the time and everybody, oh, what do you think? It's like, right. No, you have to go like shit. This is this is it. <laughs> right. There is a point where everybody in the team, the engineer, the producer, the musician, mm. the artist, everybody ha- needs to have those kind of moments. Right. And being very assertive about what we're doing. Right. It's like when they ask me, Are you sure the mix is done? I go, I'm fucking sure.
2: <laughs> right. Like, what do you mean? Mix is like, done on mix one for fuck me. You. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm
1: hundred percent sure. Because I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not just bullshitting to, you know.
2: Right, yeah.
1: Not to spend more time on the mix, right. just the opposite. I like to be challenged. And I actually, I, I am very suspicious, I always mention this, mm-hmm. super, super suspicious of people that tell me that everything is great. When I'm working on a project, either producing or mixing mm-hmm. or engineering, whenever everybody says like, "Oh, it's it's awesome," it's always awesome. Any changes, anything you right. change, like any nothing, right. I go like, "You gotta be brain dead or something."
0: <laughs> I don't, where's, I don't trust these people. Where's the sock on the floor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> where's the sock on the floor?
1: Yes. These people are brain dead. Yes. <laughs> Get me out of here. No, but seriously, I am super suspicious and. And also very uncomfortable yeah. with that because I like to be challenged and I need to have somebody telling me no, mm-hmm. this could be better or this other part could be better and maybe they are wrong
2: yeah.
0: and
1: it's the best that it can At be. Least we
0: try it and, and
1: and yeah, but we do need to be challenged. Everybody needs to be challenged.
0: Mm, exactly.
1: And it doesn't have to be a cumbersome pro- uh, process. Like people think, oh, it's gonna take days. Like, it. No, it can be like in. Three seconds, you know, in a few minutes, yeah. you know, challenge what's happening. Try something right. else. Or,
0: <laughs> exactly. And then you know. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Uh, I like to wrap up each podcast with the same set of questions. Um, the first one is, what is your most influential teacher?
1: My most influential teacher. Wow, there, there were a few when I was... Actually, I have to say my first mentor... Jose Mm -hmm. Serrano, Jose Angel Serrano, who was the first person I worked with, he was my most influential teacher because I would be in a live show with him when everything was going down. (laughs) I mean, major, major problems, like something like, we're gonna, I feel like we're gonna fucking die. This is bad. (laughs) And he would be calm as hell and he would tell me, okay, let's do this. You know, he'll be super calm. And he was the one risking his own money and his own everything. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, many situations with international artists, you know, he would bring like artists, like big ones, Peter Gabriel. I mean, Mm -hmm. and there will be like artists that I remember working with the Pogues, you know, the Irish band, Mm -hmm. you know, because we'll do all of the big shows of folk music, the Chieftains, you know, all those kind of uh, shows too. and, And I remember the Pogues, the Pogues, you know, he... By three p.m., he he had already drunk like I don't know four four <laughs> bottles of whiskey, right? right? So, yeah, and and Jose Angel would be like super calm and t- you know giving everybody instructions and I'll always keeping calm and and I learned so much from him. And obviously, when I started working at Austin Way, I was super lucky. I worked a lot with I don't know Ed Cherney, George Massenburg, mm-hmm. Alan Sides, you know, uh, right. I mean all of the usual suspects. Yeah. Basically everybody, Al Smith, you know. Right. I work with I work with them all over the years. So yeah, that was my school. Right. And you learn a little bit from every single from one because them. everybody's exactly. got a different personality. Yeah. Glenn Johns, you know, his brother Andy Jones, you know. Mm-hmm. All of them. All of them had a completely different personality, but right. they got the job done in yeah. a different way.
2: Yeah. Exactly. So
1: it's not about mimicking them, but it's about grabbing what actually, you know, connects with your personality. Right. Because you have to enforce that. I mean, if it doesn't go with your personality, yeah. screw it. I mean, you're not going to do
0: it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the next question is, what is your favorite reference track? If you have to go to a studio and learn the room, figure out the speakers. Oh, th-
1: I mean, I have a collection of them because, mm-hmm. you know, some for the low end, some for, the, you know, the right. full stereo spread. Things like that. Um, there's even a couple of tracks that I've done that you know I consider you know mm. are like uh, re- very revealing to me. You right. know, some stuff I did with Estero, you know, things like that. But I mean, there are a couple of George George's tracks, you know, uh, mm. with Lyle Lovett that, right. for example, to me are like, yeah. oh, give me so much information. It's like, fuck
2: it.
0: Right. You
1: know, Michelle and too. You know, that Wait, which,
0: which track though? Because someone else said of Lyle Lovett track that. The, the one that started with
1: the piano. It uh, was the new effect, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, that, <laughs> right, cool. This track is from the early 90s, actually. Okay. 1990, I would say 91, right, 92. Right. But, nice. yeah, I mean, I have several because each one of them give me different information. Yeah,
0: Yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. Uh, last question. What would be one tidbit you have for an upcoming engineer?
1: You have to be super open to learning because mm. you don't know shit.
0: <laughs> you know, right. that's
1: I apply that to myself. I still don't know shit. So right. how could you?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I think. Right.
1: How could you know if I still don't know shit? Exactly. You know after this many years doing this. But also, you know, be patient.
2: Yeah.
1: Learn to be patient and take some psychology classes even online. Yeah. It's super useful, you know. Interesting. Learn Learn about people. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the most useful skills you're going right. to need in your career.
0: Right. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being oh, on the show. You. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for checking out the show. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review or comment. I'll see you next week.